Welcome to Shatter Glass. Stories of extraordinary women shattering the glass ceiling. I'm Marita Garrett. And I'm Monica Hirschberger. This is Get Political, our mini-series about how to run for office or plug your skills in to help someone else run for office. We've heard why we need more women in government, campaign management, and fundraising. And in this last episode of Get Political, we talk about messaging and public relations. A campaign's message is so critical because it is your most powerful tool to reach voters. Your message is like telling your story. It's so true. And for me, someone who's never been a candidate, a way that I can contribute to someone's campaign is to use my social media and just talk personally with my friends and neighbors about why I feel represented by the campaigns that I'm supporting. And even when you were running, Marita, Mm. I remember I helped with your website and made some posters for you because I know how to do graphic design. So like those are skills that a lot of people probably have. And it was so helpful because the thing is, is that especially when you're in the campaign, it's hard. So when you have people who are bringing their talents in, bringing ideas and it makes all the difference right there are so many things that people running for office probably can do and are capable of doing you probably could have fixed your website yourself but like yeah okay okay maybe not I mean I think you probably could but you know just like donating those 10 minutes like save the candidate the brain space to do something else with their time. So it's super helpful. I just thought of a new ad campaign. So you know how they have like donate 10 cents to this child. Yeah. I should not compare these situations, <laughs> but it just hit me when you said that. Donate like a Wix email to a candidate right? or donate a newsletter. Okay, this, we may actually work on this. I a don't know if I want this part to be post. published. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to feel some things. Trademark <laughs> law. Okay, I'm sorry. So in this episode, we have the pleasure of talking with two remarkable women leaving an indelible impact in the world of strategic communications and public relations. So we got the opportunity to talk with Abigail Gardner, who I call the Danny Ocean of politics. Super fitting. Right? Yeah. Right? She is our Ocean's (laughs) 8. And Teresa Lundy, who I call the pre-Olivia Pope. I love it. So our first interview is with Abigail Gardner. She's a seasoned consultant who owns Scotty Public Affairs. I learned so much from her. She has extensive experience working with politicians to craft their strategic communication strategies, including everything from digital media to audience targeting to branding. Here she is with her infinite wisdom. All right, Abigail, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So I've heard your origin story with public relations as they relate to politics begins or somewhere apart with Sandra Fluke. Can you tell us about that path that you took to get where you are now? Yes, working with her was definitely a pivotal moment, I think, for me in my journey. So way back when, I interned on the Carrie Edwards campaign in 2004. I was still a college student then, and that was sort of the first political thing I did, which is, you know, was an amazing experience to get to have your first thing be a, a presidential campaign and go to the convention in 2004 in Boston. And then when I graduated from college, I continued to work on campaigns in a communications or press capacity for a number of years. Uh, I worked on statewides and congressionals. I did advance for the Obama campaign in 2007, which means you go around and you set up rallies or other kinds of events before the candidate gets there. So you're like advancing, quote unquote, the candidate. And then after a number of ups and downs and wins and losses, I switched over to consulting in 2011. I worked at a big 
PR agency in Washington, D.C. that was political and helped candidates and issue advocates and then also helped other kinds of clients with their public affairs needs. And just so happened that I had a mutual friend with Sandra Fluke. And, and so if people don't remember her, she was a law school student at Georgetown who testified before Congress during the Obamacare, the ACA debate about the importance of birth control being included in health care coverage because she went to a Jesuit school, Georgetown Law, and so birth control was excluded from a lot of Jesuit school or Catholic school student health insurance plans. Then Rush Limbaugh called her a bunch of names I won't repeat, and she ended up going on The View, and President Obama called her to say he was proud of her, and it just got really big and blew up. And it, I had these mutual friends with her because we were all in D.C. And, and somebody went to law school with her. And they asked me if I would take her on as a pro bono client. So I ended up working with Sandra for years. And we're still friends. Uh, she eventually ran for state senate in California. And I helped on her campaign during that. But it was just a really interesting time to watch someone kind of get picked on you know, in this way that was supposed to be humiliating to her, but she actually was brilliant and so poised and handled it so well. She sort of completely flipped it around and managed to, I, I think, not get overrun by the situation, but like flip it and use the situation to amplify her voice and then sort of launch her onto a whole different stage. So she ended up speaking at the Democratic National Convention in Charlotte. She campaigned for probably 15 candidates that year for Congress and Senate um, and really made it into a, a public profile for her in her own right. So I am incredibly wow. proud of that work and, and the fact that we're still friends all these years later. But it, it really did open my eyes to the importance of why we need to elect women, because the whole origin of why she was picked on was because she was talking about that health care should include birth control, something that 90 plus percent of women use in their life. Right. The many women, that's the only thing they actually expect their health care to do for them is cover that one prescription and an annual OBGYN visit. So, you know, the fact that she got called all of these names because she dared say that health care should include birth control coverage um, really made me realize, I think for the first time in my career, of why it wasn't just good enough to work for Democrats I agreed with on policy issues, but really the importance of having women in particular at the table and making sure their voices were heard, because otherwise you get these all-male panels on birth control access, which is pretty laughable. So fast forward to now, and you own Scotty Public Affairs, where you focus on political communication. What's the difference between having a communications director on your staff and hiring someone like you who has strategic communications capabilities? You know, the kinds of campaigns I worked on where they had a lot of full-time staff were a congressional, statewide level, um, you know, a federal office or a, a presidential. So when you're talking about campaigns that have giant budgets, probably at least a million dollars or up, then you get the benefit of having a lot of built-in staff and a lot of built-in consultants who help you navigate, how should I talk about this? And, you know, they're making your ads for television and you're doing a lot of mail. You know, that's obviously not actually the reality for a lot of people who choose to run for office for school board, for the town council level. You know, you're not going to have the kind of budget that affords you huge 
communications department and a, a traveling press secretary or something that's by your side. I think the good news for candidates in that front is you're actually not really going to get that much press attention. So you kind of get to make of communications what you want. If it's a strong suit for you, if you're comfortable with social media, you have graphic design skills, you can lean into that. Where I think we can help supplement for some people who are running for office in those lower offices that are not going to have the huge budgets. You know, we can help candidates develop their message. And I just added a full-time graphic designer to the staff who can help with things like creating a logo, laying out your literature. So we're already doing that for some candidates who are running for judicial seats, for example. But there's also a lot of resources that are available if you're running for office beyond just talking to me. So I've worked with Ready to Run, which is an annual day-long training they host at Chatham. Um, I'm on the board of Emerge Pennsylvania, which trains women, Democratic women who want to run for office with a really in-depth training over six months. There's things like Run for Something or Emily's List you can find online. I think they have trainings and boot camps too. So I really suggest people who want to figure out, you know, how can I develop a message and what does that even mean, right, and then how do I use a message once right. I have it. I suggest they, you know, they go to those day-long trainings and look up those resources too. You don't have to have a multi-million dollar budget with a huge staff to figure that out. So say someone does think, oh, I think I might want to run for something. I feel passionate about X, Y, Z. What do you recommend that people do with that information? Like, you know, write it down. But how do you suggest someone organize thoughts like that? Yeah, that's a great place to start. And one of the things I talk about in my training, I am glad that you have a passion for something. I think that's really important for why folks are running. And I always say in part of my training, if your message is just we need more women in office, that you have to go back to the drawing board because that shouldn't probably be a candidate's message. That's a message for an organization like Emerge or Emily's List or any of the other groups that want more women in office. If you as a candidate need to have specific reasons that you want to run for that specific office. So something in your community that you've seen, that you've identified as an issue that you care about and that if you're elected to that office, you can fix. Maybe that sounds obvious, but I think a lot of people get wrapped up in the idea of running for office because they think increased diversity and representation in office and more women in office is important, which obviously I agree it is. But you have to be able to ground that in what are the challenges of this community and how does this particular office I'm running for give me tools to fix it. So I usually suggest that people consider a pretty simple framework of what are the problems or the issues I see that drive me to run for office? What are the solutions that I would present if I was in office? You know, and then what does the payoff look like for your community? How can we envision a better school district, a better town, a better county if we do the things that you're saying you would do in that office? I, I just try to do a framework of, like, what are the problems, what are the solutions, and then what are the payoffs? I try to encourage people to boil that down to, like, a 30-second or 60-second kind of elevator pitch and get really clear on, at that most essential level, what are the basics about why you're running. And then from there, you can expand it with more data points, more examples, anecdotes about your life, and build that out to be you know, about a three- to five-minute stump speech that also would work as the website language 
for you because you want all of that to be consistent. You want to make sure that whatever you're saying on your website and social media and your literature is the same thing you're saying in a stump speech because message consistency is it's really hard to stay focused on the same thing over the course of a whole campaign, but it's really critical because it's one of the only ways uh, voters will actually remember who you are and what you're about is if you're very consistent when you tell people who you are and what you're about. What are some PR or messaging mistakes that you see candidates make that are avoidable? I think there's a range. There are people who come in kind of really unprepared to talk about issues. They maybe just know one thing really well and they haven't done their homework on kind of the variety of issues that might come up on the thing that they're running for. So I definitely encourage people to do their homework, talk to environmental groups, labor groups, teachers, you know, make sure you're hearing from different kinds of people if you're running for an office where, you know, you're going to get that variety of questions. But probably even more often than that, what I see is that people who are running want to share like an encyclopedic knowledge because they do these meetings and they learn more and it's interesting and there's a lot of nuance and there's a lot of detail and then you're conveying too much information. So the websites end up having 25 different issues on it. Every Facebook post is on something different. And so I think that's like when you become the Christmas tree with too many ornaments on it and the branches are just weighted down. <laughs> that That's the thing I think I see more regularly. Yeah, like more <laughs> regularly in candidates is like you just became about too much and you're trying to convey too much and you have to stay disciplined and focused. Say someone is not running for office. They're very interested in supporting someone else's run for office. What are ways that you've had success or seen success with volunteers helping with communications? If you have a skill set like photography, website design or build, um, graphic design, if you own a print shop by chance or you have a, you know, a friend or family member that owns a print shop, there are definitely a lot of hard costs that campaigns of all sizes have to incur to get the word out. As a small business owner now, I mean, it's like you have to pop up a small business basically. And if you were to think about if you opened a bookstore or an ice cream stand or whatever, you would need to be spending a decent amount of money to get the word out that this thing you have exists. And campaigns are not all that different. Um, you look for all of the low-cost or free opportunities to use volunteers to knock on doors, right? That's like a, a no-cost way to get the word out in a very literal, like, taking it to the streets. Um, and that's why right. grassroots and field is so important. But beyond that, it all does tend to cost money. So if you have a hard skill that you can support a campaign with, that's really useful. If you have a friend or you know someone who's running for office and they're not social media fluent and you are, you know, I would talk to them about if it would be helpful for them for you to help manage their their Facebook or their Twitter. You know, once you work together on, like, what is the message and the kinds of things that they would want you to talk about on their behalf. But some candidates are really comfortable in that space and some really aren't, and so they just ignore it and don't do it. So if it's something you're good at and you could help a friend who's running for office to make sure they have a regularly updated Facebook or Twitter, that's, you know, that's a great thing uh, that campaigns need and sometimes get ignored. Any word of advice that you haven't shared already that you would share with someone who's thinking about running for office? 
You know, I think that most important thing goes back to the first thing you asked me about messaging and communications is you have to be really clear on why you're running. Make sure you're clear with yourself about why you're running and write it down and go back to it frequently to make sure that still seems right to you because voters will know if you are kind of going through the motions with saying what you think you're supposed to say. So I think you have to tap into the why because that is what will resonate with people or not. And if you can't articulate that for yourself, it's very hard to articulate it to a voter to persuade them to support you or persuade a donor to give you money or persuade volunteers to spend their time knocking on doors for you. So I think that would be my big number one piece of advice is spend some time with yourself on why are you running and make sure you can really clearly articulate that. Well, Abigail, thank you so much. I will look forward to hearing it when it comes out. spoke with the dynamic Teresa Lundy, principal of TML Communications, LLC. Based in Philadelphia, she has worked on local and national campaigns and is continuously sought after for her communication savvy and expertise. She most recently led the event management team for Governor Wolf's inauguration ball, where I had a ball. Teresa, I want to thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. I've loved listening to your podcast. In my head, I like to call you the pre-Olivia Pope because you make people look good so they don't even have to have a scandal. So you don't have to come in and do damage control. You know, it's so funny. Uh, I didn't even know about scandals. For those who don't know, the 6 ABC feature. Until probably the third season in, and they was like, hey, you have to watch it. And I'm like, guys, I've been doing this over a decade. You know, I was like, you guys haven't noticed. But as I did watch the series, I was more so attracted to how she went in and and how she utilized her relationships and how she strategized in every scenario, mm. but being her true authentic self. You know, as we talk about like shattering the glass ceiling and what women are doing in politics and of course in their community, what I see, you know, kind of taken from that movie is that if they show their true authentic self and stay their true authentic self, then people will follow. And I think that's the tipping point and that's the shattered glass that I think other women are just like, okay, I got to be a part of that. So tell us a little bit more about the work that your communication firm does. TML Communications, when I thought about naming my firm four years ago, I had to think about what did people want to see, especially in the communications and public relations industry. They wanted the person that they hired. I was like, okay, well, I am that person. I have a team behind us, but we do a lot of strategic communications and crisis communications as it relates to strategy. We work with campaigns. We work with charter schools. Uh, We work with a lot of nonprofits organizations. We work with individuals, ensuring that the advocacy and the mission-minded basis is at the forefront of everything that we do. We love community initiatives. We love, you know, telling the stories of the nonprofit unsung leader who's trying to raise $20,000 for a project just to save some local community. Those are the type of stories that we like to place not only locally, but of course nationally. That is the high tide where we can and really impact change and get others who are like-minded to be part of that overall vision. 
how did you even end up in the field of public relations and communications? I have a background in service. So my my mother is a overseer. For those who don't know, it's pretty much a pastor in the Christian community. I went with her to many events and many churches where she's just not only preaching the gospel, but doing so much volunteer work, right? My mother is the type of woman who gets on her knees and figures out what needs to take place in order for it to get done. So my mother is definitely a doer. And so keeping that as a mindset of what I tailored my business to, I found myself always working, you know, for PR firms. I worked on the Hill. I've worked for sitting city council members. I've worked on campaigns from local to national races, the forefront that I always wanted to keep was, are we communicating the message and are we answering the questions that the people want to hear and see? And I always found a lot of times when people are either running for office or running to get people to support their plan, there's never a real opportunity for people to have a platform to talk about what they want to do. That could be a game changer. So when some of these awards and accomplishments are coming across where, you know, oh, we want to um, highlight 10 or 15 people. And I'm like, wait, that's the same people that we, you know, nominated three years ago. <laughs> you know, so that's what I was doing. You know, for a lot of these media entities, I became the booker for some of them for talent. When you start actually saying, look, I don't know if you've met Andre, who has a great water ice stand that not only does is he a four profit but mm-hmm. he also takes a hundred scoops and goes down to the local rec center and gives those children you know on Saturdays and that's right. a game changer you know I can attest to so many stories that I've heard of from either individuals or organizations that they're like look we want to do better and we don't want the spotlight and I keep telling them it's not about the spotlight it's about the impact and in order mm. to make impact you have to make sure others are on board with the vision to invest in the vision in order for it to grow. What would you say is the biggest mistake that you see in candidates' messaging? A lot of times they're just not answering the question. So I always tell candidates, you know, you don't have to spend thousands on polling. Depends on what race. But literally just hold a town hall, hold some community events, or show up to some existing events and really see what the pulse is of the community and their concerns. What has been unanswered that you can possibly answer? That's step one. Step two is that. And as you're formulating your message, can you agree to some of the hot topic options that they're talking about? And can you be a fixer for it? So, I, you know, I look at legislators as fixers, but... I also try to put some of the ownership on the community members. Do the community members know the proper channel to reach out to their legislative? Do they know that there is a city department, a municipal department that can handle some of those needs? And a lot of times, as we're in the 2019 era, we are now seeing millennials be a part of the conversation. This is current campaign season. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm walking at some of these meetings, and now I'm seeing millennials that look like me in the room. And in the committee meetings, right? Talking about, you know, they're not just talking about bikes. They're talking about their grandma who's been in this development house for over 25 years. And we have, you know, a developer 
that wants to put this huge building in front of her little home. What can you offer my grandmother that she doesn't feel like she's being displaced? So, you know, we have a lot of these millennials who are now advocates for family and, and not just thinking about self-interest. So I love seeing when people decide to actually come together and unify for a common goal. Now, we might not all agree on the same face, but I think that's fine. I think we should start teaching, you know, leadership and debate at an early age in school. I think that's how you become a thought leader. But two, students garner the opportunity to express themselves with words rather than with their hands. So a lot of these things stem from the infancy stage and my practices. If we can garner enough attention to the messaging on better communications, on better opportunities to affect change, then we can then better our communities. So what would you say are two of the most important aspects when getting a candidate or your own message or image out there? So for candidates wanting to put their self out there for people to vote for them, I would say first you have to take a personal approach for themselves. That's looking at, one, the job role that they're going for and seeing if their experience and their leadership matches up to the position because you can't say you're running for a commissioner's race and you don't understand or have a background about how the voting process takes place or if you haven't even voted in one election. (laughs) And we've had that here in Philadelphia. That that is the first thing is to see if you're qualified for the position. The second piece is to see where your base is. See if you have the support you need. See if people want a change in leadership. Because if they don't want it, I suggest don't run. Because Mm -hmm. then you start to create friction and start to put a lot of unnecessary strain on the current leadership versus you just giving your the current leadership your ideas in order to enhance the office. Mm-hmm. Part three, as it relates to messaging, check out the current programs and the opportunities that's coming from the office that you choose to serve in and see if there is a lack. If there is a lack, what is your vision in order to bring those programs back to 100%. If you do not have a vision for how to reform that office, you should not be running. And I actually just did a tutorial for candidates asking them a basic question, why do you want to run? And some of the answers me and my team were getting was a little daunting. You know, I want to run because I want to see better in my community. Well, what does better look like? You know, and people are going to ask you these questions. You know, we are dealing with a smart population here in Philadelphia where people are, are not tolerating the same old, same old. People are looking for a fresh change and people that have long-term vision. There's no longer promises. I'm still fighting. I'm champion. It's not about that. It's what's your vision. And Mm -hmm. once you can have a clear vision and a blueprint plan, then that's when you should run. What advice do you have for other women who may be interested in helping out with uh, candidate PR messaging or even just getting into this field? Absolutely. So for those who are interested in getting into public relations or communications realm, what I would say is first, you have to start writing. You know, people need to know your thoughts. PR is sort of a, a journalist, right? We're not just promoted. We have to construct the story, get the details, and make sure we promote it with the right angle. Because what journalists will primarily do is they'll get their own angle. And we're like, no, 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 no. We, we have a specific angle because we see the overall goal. So for those who want to get in this field, I would say, especially in the advocacy campaign field, 
I tell them, go work on a campaign free of charge mm-hmm. and just start lending your ideas. Listen, I'll, I'll write a media release. I'll start telling your story. But really, that's all PR is, is telling the stories of others and getting them placed in the entities that they should be in in order to promote impact. Also, start engaging in conversation on social media. Social media is a powerful tool of use right. Some of the statements today that is going on are not even in, in normal protocol. It's now coming through social media, on Twitter especially, and, and people writing full-blown statements before it gets on the letterhead. So work for a news outlet, a campaign, an individual, a nonprofit, anybody under that sector that you can promote their story um, and also start taking part and engaging in their social media. I'll say those are the first two stepping stones to ensuring that they can start getting a, a real grassroots, hands-on experience into promoting advocacy and wellness in their community. Lady, I want to thank you again so much for your time. I'm going to let you go back to putting out those fires that you do so well, and I thank you for all the work you do. No, I appreciate you, and girl, you are shattering the glass ceiling. That's a wrap, folks. We hope this Get Political mini-series has inspired you to break out and find a campaign to support or even run for office yourself. We need women with political integrity, like many of you listening, working both behind the scenes and right up at that podium. Whether it's running for council and working your way up to mayor like Marita, or maybe there's a school board or congressional race calling your name, get out there. Surround yourself with people that will be honest and helpful to you and do something you believe in. And as you heard from all of our guests in this mini-series, there are so many people behind our elected officials. I know that for sure. I cannot do it by myself. So people who support campaigns as a full-time job to people who make phone calls on behalf of a candidate while wearing pajamas on their couch. If we're going to make our vision for a better and more equitable United States a reality, we need everyone to get involved and get political. Love to hear what you think about Shattered Glass, and we're always looking for suggestions for future guests. You can contact us via our website, shatteredglasspodcast.com, or on any social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is at shatteredglasspod. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you use. This episode was produced by Jessica Kaminsky with original music by Anthony LaMarca. Onward and upwards, ladies. Straight through the glass. (laughs) 